Welcome to LifeBeat. I'm your host, Chris Gast, Rights Life of Michigan's Director of Communication and Education. Joining us today is our Education and Events Coordinator, Katherine Kinsey. Welcome, Katherine. Thank you. Well, today is January 22nd, and that means it is the anniversary of the Supreme Court decisions in Roe v. Wade and Doe v. Bolton. Uh, so we're going to talk about those cases. Uh, first, I thought we'd talk about the March for Life, since it's March for Life week. Yeah. And uh, you're going this year, Catherine. Yeah, this is actually my first time going, <laughs> so I'm excited. So it's always an adventure. This is I've lost count on how many times uh, I've been, because it's been quite a few. Uh, but what amazes me about the March for Life every year is, is how much it grows. You know, this is not just right. a couple hundred people... Uh, marching in the Capitol. It's a couple hundred thousand people right. marching in the Capitol. Mm -hmm. um, and of course the reason we have the March for Life is uh, around this time is because it is the anniversary of Roe versus Wade and Doe versus Bolton. And the purpose of the March for Life, of course, is to bring attention to the issue of abortion. Uh, specifically, the march always starts in the National Mall uh, and goes up past uh, the U.S. Capitol and ends at the United States Supreme Court building, who we really want to remember right. that uh, they're the ones holding the will of people back mm -hmm. with their Supreme Court decisions. So, Catherine, uh, what's your impression of the march as someone who's never been there? Well, obviously I have, um, you know, several friends and family and heard lots of stories about it. So I just... Uh, I have always thought, you know, it's a really cool display of just how so many people are so passionate about this issue because it's really, it's about human life. It is, and there'll be a lot of human lives there. Um, so probably the story that illustrates the most for me once was I was uh, asked to do a media interview with someone from Michigan and uh, she told me to meet her at this specific intersection uh, that was just off of the March for Life. And I showed up at this intersection, you know, during the march, and there were thousands of people crammed into this little intersection. It was not part of the actual march. So uh, there's so many people now, and you try to crowd them all into uh, one city street yeah. that... A lot of people who attend the March for Life don't actually march for life <laughs> using the, the route. And so you, you get off of the beaten path by one block and it's still like yeah. inundated it's with people. So many people. Yeah, so many people. Um, and what always stands out to me, especially the change that I've seen from when I first went probably about uh, 2005 or 2004 to today is how young the march for life is getting yeah. um and all these youth they come in groups and they have their colored hats or scarves uh and their banners mm -hmm. and they all have their it's almost like a parade with their own little units yeah um and it's just so encouraging to see all the young people uh engaged on the issue and you're a young person Catherine. Yes. still yeah <laughs> 
Uh, and uh, maybe I'm still a young person. Um, <laughs> but it's really interesting. Uh, you know, the reason we have the march is to get attention, but the march doesn't get a lot of attention, does it, Catherine? No. Well, not good attention. <laughs> no. Uh, we'll get into that in one second, but I just thought I'd ask you, did you see all the coverage for all the Women's March events? I did last see few days? some, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. even though I guess the National Women's March, which I guess you can suppose, I mean, they support abortion generally, it seems, mm -hmm. and so sort of the anti-March for Life, um, it did not do so well on the national level. I know in the Michigan one was really small as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Got a lot of media attention though, didn't it? It did. And yeah. on Friday, there's gonna be hundreds of thousands of people mm -hmm. um, just in Michigan, just Rights Life Michigan affiliates. So not counting, you know, other people are going individually or some churches are going or other pro-life groups are going. Just our Michigan affiliates are taking 20 buses and more than a thousand people uh, to the March for Life f on Friday. Mm -hmm. um, I remember when the Women's March first happened that they were getting media coverage like, they're taking a few cars or three buses. <laughs> it's like, three buses. Wow. So impressive. Amateurs. <laughs> Amateurs. Um, and so it, it is a little sad that it doesn't get the attention that it deserves. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe part of it, too, is the March for Life has been going on for 47 years. Yeah. Um, and started, you know, the first, uh, you know, right after Roe versus Wade. And so you think, oh, well, this isn't news. It happens every year. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, everyone in D.C. just knows it's March for Life. Friday, stay, <laughs> you know, avoid the mall with traffic. Um but I think that should speak to the staying power of the pro-life movement. Uh, you know, after Roe versus Wade was decided, they said the pro-life movement's gonna go away, they're gonna dry up, you know, mm -hmm. the, the judges have spoken and whatnot, and no, well, it's only grown from there, and right. the March for Life seems to get uh, bigger every year. And last year, it did get a lot of attention, <laughs> Catherine, but not for a good reason. Not at all, no. <laughs> well, I was at the march, and I was, it was at, after the march was over, and I was looking forward to traveling home, yeah. you know, having a calm 12-hour <laughs> bus ride from D.C. back to Grand Rapids. And instead of reporting on the march for self, the, the media picked up on... A kid, mm -hmm. a high school kid, who bought a souvenir uh, Make America Great Again hat mm -hmm. and was standing around and accosted by adults and the media tried to destroy the life of this kid. Yeah, and they, they really did for a bit there. I mean, he was getting tons of hate messages and all of that. It was kind of scary. A CNN contributor said, have you ever seen a more punchable face? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I guess beating up minors is... Perfectly acceptable yeah. if you uh, are willing to kill minors in the womb, right? <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Nick Sandman and uh, his Covington Catholic High School from Kentucky classmates were the subject of a media firestorm uh, last year. And so I think the important thing about that is uh, people 
wanted this to look like something it wasn't. And so they took a picture of him smirking uh, with this gentleman, Nathan Phillips, mm -hmm. in front of him. And this picture, they put, they invented, and Nathan Phillips lied yeah. about what happened. So they invented a narrative to go mm -hmm. along with this picture that the kids were accosted and blocked these uh, Native American people who were there for an event uh, and were yelling at them, build a wall and, you know, go yeah. back home and stuff like that. And everybody jumped on it. Mm -hmm. immediately even some publications that you could say are are nominally pro-life threw yeah. this kid under the bus based on a false and libelous statement yeah um what actually happened was these kids it was after the march mm -hmm. this was the point that they were supposed to meet to go you know even after the kind of more footage came to light you know, people were still saying, well, they shouldn't have stood around there. Um, but uh, I think most of those people have never been to the march and have <laughs> to chaperone a high school group, right. which is pretty much the most stressful thing in that, my life I've yeah. done, um, is you're sending all these high school kids out there. Mm -hmm. Lots of them don't have cell phones. Yep. And they're out in the city with no yeah. chaperone <laughs> and no supervision. And you hope and pray that the one location that you gave them to meet back to get on the bus that they show up because mm -hmm. if they didn't and they don't have a cell phone you were responsible for this 16 year old yeah. kid wandering around a city mm -hmm. that's lost and you have no idea where they are right extremely stressful and so when people were saying oh well they shouldn't have stayed there they really didn't have an option yeah um and it was the adults uh native or uh, um nathan phillips and others who approached the kids, mm -hmm. banged drums in their faces. The kids thought it was funny at first, and then they kind of realized this is kind of strange, mm -hmm. and then they kind of left. Yep. Um, that's not a news story, Catherine. Was to it, but <laughs> I mean, it's not a news story. I yeah. mean, you you have things like that happen during sporting events and football games mm -hmm. where there's little tense, you know, tense moments, and then nothing happens. How come those aren't, you know, national media moments? Right. Well, because they didn't have a reason to pick on him. That's <laughs> that's right. But they certainly have a reason to pick on pro-lifers. Yes. And so we'll see how the March for Life goes. I'm sure it's going to be a huge crowd. Um, there's going to be a lot of interesting speakers there. Uh, a couple uh, legislators, Republican and Democrats, who are pro-life. Um, Seems like it's an all Louisiana cast. You have Congressman Steve Scalise speaking. Yeah. You have uh, Louisiana State Senator Katrina Jackson. You have the First Lady of Louisiana, um, and the governor there is uh, Jonathan Bell Edwards. Um, I think I got that right. I think so. I hope I did. It's Louisiana. It's not yes. Michigan. Um, no offense to any Louisiana listeners. Uh, so it's going to have uh, a lot of interest, but. We'll see what the narrative is, right. and I am sure that they're going to f try again to try find something. something to pick on, blow up out of proportion, and blame pro-lifers as evil, misogynist, old white men, you know, blah, 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 yeah. yada, yada, yada. Same old, same old. Um, but we're ready this time, mm -hmm. and we're not going to jump to conclusions 
based on uh, what some knucklehead posts on social <laughs> media to try to destroy the life of a kid. And also, one factor to consider is uh, Nick Sandman has sued several media outlets, right. and CNN settled with him. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't know the amount, um, but we're going to imagine that the amount is at least somehow painful in some level to CNN um, because they did commit libel. Yeah. Uh, because uh, a kid is not a public figure. Right. I mean, I guess I'm a public figure, so <laughs> we'll have to see. Maybe I'll have someone banging a drum in my face. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, the reason, of course, like we said, for the March for Life is Roe versus Wade and Doe versus Bolton. And so I thought we'd spend the rest of the time just talking about those decisions um, what they mean, where they're headed, and the impact that they've had on American life. And mm-hmm. so I think the first thing you have to start with, Catherine, is um, these decisions have been around for 47 years, and they've had a human cost to them of 50 million plus yeah. lives. Right. It's, it's huge. A huge number. Um, it, it's it almost defies your senses to try to really grasp how much that is. Um, in the past, we've done a radio ad that used uh, just BBs hitting a metal can, and it compared all of the deaths in combat in wars to um, how many unborn children have lost their lives to abortion, and the numbers don't even begin to compare. Right. And, of course, you know if, if you want to go to anything in Washington, D.C., I would recommend Arlington National Cemetery, um, and there's a few hundred thousand people there, and it's you know uh, cross after cross, row mm-hmm. after row. Uh, it's a very poignant place to go, and if you had to bury all the unborn children lost to abortion, you would need an Arlington National Cemetery that's basically the size of the District of Columbia, mm-hmm. cross yeah. after cross, row after row. Um, that's pretty significant. Yeah. How do you how do you quantify that other than just it's just a big number? Um, the good news is abortions have been decreasing. Uh, they increased for about fifteen years after Roe versus Wade, um, and then uh, in the late eighties they started to decline, and that decline has continued. And now we're under a million abortions a year, mm-hmm. um, which is really good, but. Uh, still, you know, hundreds of thousands, you know, 800,000 to 900,000 lives lost to abortion every year is still yeah. a massive number that does not really even compare to uh, just the sheer number of deaths in combat. Right. Which we don't want to make light of, but just as the maybe the closest thing that people can wrap their minds around. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cases themselves were... Uh, there's no other way to say it, wrongly decided. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you will not find a real, rigorous, legitimate defense of Roe versus Wade and Doe versus Bolton as Supreme Court decisions, um, as just uh, judicial decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find quotes from even people who helped decide the case, who said, there's no real reasoning here. We just wanted to legalize abortion, mm-hmm. and we did it. Yeah. And um, 
So I think it's important that people understand just why these decisions were wrong. Um, I know we talk about it on the podcast fairly frequently, but Catherine, is there anything at all in the United States Constitution that mentions abortion? No. There's nothing at all. Uh, is there any, there's nothing that even hints at abortion. Nothing was ever put into the Constitution with the understanding that it has any impact on abortion. Right. In fact, um, the most common defense of abortion is, well, the 14th Amendment and equal protection and privacy is somehow included in that, and that's why we have to legalize tearing the arms and legs off of human beings. Um, it's so interesting, Catherine, when they passed the 14th Amendment, which the purpose was uh, addressing slavery, mm -hmm. another issue where we took an entire class of human beings and said that they are lesser than mm -hmm. and do not have the same rights and that they must have their rights be violated for our benefit. Mm -hmm. um, so the 14th Amendment was to rectify that. And also around that time in all the states, um, as states were kind of ditching the old um, common law system where you just had these, you know, judicial traditions mm -hmm. were how you decided cases back when judges weren't completely nuts. <laughs> um, they were actually writing down specific laws and legal codes and penalties. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that all these states were doing were updating their abortion laws. Um, specifically, you know, the American Medical Association back then was wanting to get rid of uh, the illegal abortions that were happening. And they plainly said, you know, it's taking human life. Um, and so the, the 14th Amendment was enacted at a time when uh, pro-life opinion and sentiments were uh, growing and arguably at a high in America. Like nobody ever thought the 14th Amendment would be used to take the lives of 59 million unborn yeah. children. And so I think we have to ask ourselves, uh, especially you look at the National Democratic Party, they want to claim that word democratic, which implies that the people are deciding. Mm -hmm. um, how can you have a nationwide legal system uh, that no voter... Yeah. Or Amer the American people never had a say on. It doesn't make sense. It, it makes no logical sense. Right. It makes perfect ideological sense if yeah. you want a specific outcome and you don't care if you get it uh, through cheating or violating democratic norms. Um, it's uh, That's unfortunately what they did. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you look more into the cases, uh, they, they went beyond that. Um, you know, they, they were deciding cases in the time frame between when they argued Roe versus Wade in the court and when they wrote the decision, and they were putting things in those decisions so they could quote them later. So in other words, they were cheating. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they were like sneaking answers into homework so they could use in the test, basically. Mm -hmm. um, you look at the papers of the justices and, you know, it's clear that they were using uh, poor American history mm -hmm. um, that tried to claim that abortion was legal and accepted in America up right. until those evil doctors tried to get rid of it because they wanted to squeeze out the poor little 
neighborhood abortionists yeah. as if, you know, abortionists are legitimate doctors or legitimate businessmen. Mm. Um, the cases themselves, um, and this is sad that after 47 years, people just don't understand it. Uh, so what Roe versus Wade did is set up a uh, trimester framework. Mm -hmm. It said in the first trimester, abortions are completely legal and nothing can be done about it. Mm -hmm. In the second trimester, it said uh, states can regulate abortion uh, in some ways, but they can't restrict a woman from having them. In the third trimester, uh, it said abortions can be restricted by the state as long as they have a health exception. Uh, so any ban on abortions in the third trimester have to have a health exception. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, Doe versus Bolton was a Supreme Court case uh, out of Georgia involving abortion, decided, argued alongside Roe versus Wade. The opinions were issued. They're meant to be read together. Doe versus Bolton, they define what health means. Um, and in the early draft of the opinion, they straight out say economics is mm -hmm. a reason to have an abortion. You know, if you don't want to pay for the childbirth, then you can have an abortion. Now, they deleted that because that would have been a little too inflammatory. But when you break down what they said in Doe versus Bolton for health, they said all factors in light of health and well-being, you know, psychological, familial, etc. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't really mean your physical health. Right. You know, everything in your life impacts your well-being, so therefore, health is anything. Anything. <laughs> and so states can ban abortion as long as they, late-term abortions, as long as they allow late-term abortions for any reason. Yeah. More legal, <laughs> more legal sense, right? Right. Well, the reason for doing that is, um, and what they've been arguably very successful yeah. is, is confusing people. Right, and people are very confused. <laughs> it's very, yeah, it's very difficult to have a conversation on the topic and get them to understand, you know. People still think that Roe versus Wade only really allows abortion in the first three months. Mm -hmm. And so they're shocked sometimes when they find out late-term abortions happen. Right. And the abortion industry to this day still tries to get people to think that late-term abortions are really rare and they only happen when the woman's life is at risk, mm -hmm. which is also not true. Um, it's a giant stack of lies yeah. lie on lie built on lie definitely so uh now we shouldn't have mentioned that roe versus wade was uh revisited in 1992 in a decision called planned parenthood versus casey and what the justice did there is um they were ready to overturn roe versus wade but uh anthony kennedy chickened out hmm. And so what they did is they allowed a bunch of new pro-life restrictions to take place and they changed it, uh, they changed the trimester framework of Roe versus Wade to say, well, after vi viability, states can ban abortion as long as there's a health exception and before viability, states can regulate abortion, um, but as long as it doesn't pose an undue burden on a woman. And of course, so they invented this new test, right. what's an undue burden? <laughs> anything <laughs> well it could be anything yeah. or you know it, it, it all depends on the judges and so uh, they had the opportunity to give the issue back to the voters uh, to let the people decide let their elected officials decide as was always meant to be the case in our political system mm -hmm. but cheaters gonna no. cheat yeah so uh, that's what 
Catherine and I and a couple hundred thousand of our best fan, uh, friends will be there to protest on Friday. Um, so uh, keep your eye out. Hopefully we'll get some uh, good stories out of it. If you see a bad story, yeah. don't immediately it believe it. Uh, and if you're a reporter listening to this, you have a moral obligation to determine the truth before you take off and run with a story that destroys the life of a high school kid yes. who did not ask or seek to be a part of controversy, nor really should him standing w with someone banging a drum at him for a few seconds and walking away be a news story right? in any shape, manner, or form. <laughs> so uh, please keep that in mind. So I thought we'd close just with talking about uh, kind of the year ahead. Obviously, uh, is there an election going on? Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> there's, something, there's something happening in, like, Congress something. with the president, uh, right? I, you know, yeah. I, I forget. <laughs> um, but uh, as far as abortion goes, uh, the Supreme Court is going to take up a case on abortion, uh, and the oral arguments are scheduled for March. And it's a case out of what state? Put you on the spot? Uh, Louisiana. Yes, it's all a... back to Louisiana. <laughs> is apparently the most uh, pro-life state in the union. They're dominating yeah. the March for Life. They're dominating <laughs> the abortion cases in the Supreme Court this year. Um, but it's a case where abortionists are required to have admitting privileges. Uh, at a hospital, so they can't just dump women off at the ER, and the ER doctors can't reach the doctor, and the ER doctors are trying to guess mm -hmm. how the botched abortion happened and trying to treat the woman, right. not always successfully, uh, because women die from botched abortions. We had one in July a few years ago, uh, on July 4th in Michigan at a Planned Parenthood, where the doctor was not held accountable. Mm -hmm. um, fancy that. Uh, what a surprise. <laughs> so uh, we'll see what happens, but uh, this is such a big deal because this is the first time in since the uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt administration that the Supreme Court uh, majority could be considered to be conservative. And so what is Brett Kavanaugh? What is John Roberts going to do on this case? It's very interesting that they took up this case, even though there was a similar law in Texas that was struck down um, very recently. And so uh, we'll see what happens. But we did file a brief to the U.S. Supreme Court saying, okay, don't just uphold this Louisiana law under you know Planned Parenthood versus Casey and Roe versus Wade. Ditch Roe. Yeah. It's time. Are we going to need to lose another 59 million lives? How much longer are we going to have to uh, operate under this legal fiction that these unelected officials can just decide the basic question of when, well, who's a human being and when, did, when do human rights begin uh, in complete defiance of the Constitution, the voters, elected officials, and reason itself? So mm -hmm. we'll see what happens. Yeah, that will be interesting. All right, so uh, we'll be back again next week, hopefully with no repeat of the Covington case. Uh, but join us again then, and have a wonderful weekend. And if you're traveling to the March for Life, have a safe trip, and we'll see you there.